Hello, I'm Pudgy and this is Nobody Dies Here. I'm here to introduce stories from some of the people who, like me, use the MSA. This episode's an interview with Sammy. She spoke with producer Michelle Ransom-Hughes in 2022. Sammy's an advocate, a strong voice for the rights of people who use drugs. In this episode, she talks about some of the social and political issues that exist because drug use is criminalised. She also talks about her own experience of using the MSA. Um, my name is Sammy. I've been, oh, like, probably about three years I've been using, well, when it first opened, so when it was in its test phase and it was, a, it was in the smaller um, building before they built the building that it's in now, that's when I started using it. So it's just four years. One of the originals. Mm, yeah. One of the OGs. Well, I'm also on the advisory body for EMSA as well. So there's a group of people um, who are drug users that um, we meet once a month and we discuss, you know, what's going on at EMSA because the client experience is obviously very different from, from the provider experience. Yeah, so that's the CAG, right? Yes, that's us. <laughs> it's yeah. a very unglamorous name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Client Advisory Group. Yeah. From everything I'm hearing about the base, the foundations of mm-hmm. why the place exists and how it's run philosophically, that sounds like an essential thing, that group. Yeah. There's still issues within the harm minimisation and what, what um, government wants and then, but what actually um, the service really needs to provide for people that actually use the service. But, you know, obviously then you have like, you know, people who are outside of the service and, you know, and their perception of it as well. So the government sort of has to sort of look, you know, as though it has a standard of of um provision of service that also makes the general populace comfortable as well. It's a real balancing act, isn't it? They're trying to please these two masters. That's right. Yeah, whereas really it, it, it should be about um, the people who need the service and, and then there's different needs of individuals within that service as well because you're looking at a a marginalized group of people but then you have the you know um, intersections of people's lives as well so the color of their skin or um, the level of poverty the reality is that you know people are demonized for being poor you know, and if you look poor, then you're even demonised even further. So you're pushed further within those margins of a marginalised group anyway. Mm. Some of the the people that are on the advisory body as well, um, their experiences are very different. Um, you know, and I've been on a lot of committees um and, you know, like um, I was on the committee for Scarlet. Do you know Scarlet? 
It's the national peak organisation for sex workers and I was on the committee for um, state organisations and, and, and I've done a lot in my life. I've experienced a lot in my life. I've, I've worked um, in, in community services and stuff like that as well. So, um, you know, what I bring to the table is a level of education that not everybody holds. The next meeting I am chairing, and it's a skill set that I've built up over the years. So it's also then something that other people within the group can say, oh, well, you know, she's, she's just a community member like me. So, you know, I could do that too. So, you know, it, it could be a way of encouraging other people to, to, to at least try it once and, you know, see what they think. It sounds like maybe you do enjoy or encourage that role of, of mentoring. Well, I did that for a long time. I, I worked in um, youth services where I ran a group for transgender um, youth and then um, and, and then also like within that the organization itself provided support for those um, group of people because again you're dealing with a marginalized group of people within a marginalized group of people I'm surprised that your experience isn't more broadly drawn upon across like all sorts of boards yeah. and you've got so much to bring yes um, do you do you, like, put your hand up? I always put my hand up, like, where I can, yeah. But it's also a bit of a burden, always being the one to speak. It is, and especially being a female that speaks. Yeah. But, you know, because we're not supposed to. No, you're mouthy. <laughs> yes, you're a bitch. Bossy, you're a bitch. <laughs> bitch, I get a lot. Know your place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's just like, well, I, you know, I'm not going to apologise for the fact that I have an opinion. Yeah. Yeah, and as you get older, you give less of a fuck, right? That's right. <laughs> and I give very, very, very few fucks. <laughs> like I really, really do not care. And um, I really do not care about the male experience of being... Um, jolted out of themselves because for me I've experienced that so many times I've ex experienced the male of experience of them going wow this is a mouthy bitch and, and but for them this is the first time that they're experiencing me so for them it's very raw and new and they're like, ooh. But for me it's like, look, you know, I've dealt with you so many times. You, you, you're just coming at me in a new form. You know, you look different but what you're saying is familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, can we go back to you? Yeah. Why... Why are you here at this place? Um, because this is where I access um, the drugs that I use is in this area. Mostly that's it. Mm. 
like I've been doing this for, you know, since my mid-20s. So I've been doing this a very long time and, yes, I have overdosed um, but I've always had people around me who, you know, so I've, I've always been um, relatively safe but that's not why, why I use the service because I fear um, overdose and I'm not using in the same ways that other people use. You know, other people will use unis, um, these little blue pills, and that increases the risk of overdose substantially. I don't use them, so I don't have that same risk. And the, 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 the quality of heroin today to what heroin was when I first started using is vastly different as well. Worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it used to be amazing. It doesn't have the longevity that it used to have. But but why do you use the injecting room? Because it's a safer place than... um, using drugs in a public area, say, in my car or something like that, where um, I'm more visible and um, the potentiality of being criminalised for what I'm doing is greater than what it is if I accessed that service. Right. So it's about safety from more from the police than yes. from overdose or anything like that. Yeah, wow. totally. Yeah. Uh, the The criminal aspect of it is responsible for most of the stigma. Most of the issues that that are related to drug use, I mean, it pushes a lot of people, like the criminalisation of um, drug use pushes people further into poverty um, and also limits people's ability to be employed. You know, there are so many factors that that are involved in that, that if you actually take out the criminalisation of it and people were able to access quality, clean heroin and were able to have a dose in the morning and at night or whatever their needs are, you would find that people would be able to manage their lives a lot better and that people would have then money to pay rent. So it would also resolve some of the issues around homelessness, not all of them, but it certainly would resolve some of that. People would have money to pay their bills and there would be a number of people that would be able to be employed and have steady employment and stay steadily employed as well. How has it changed your sort of use of substances being able to come here compared to before? It hasn't changed it at all. It's just minimised risk yeah which is good well yeah it is good absolutely but you know but then there are issues within the service and um being on the advisory body has been good for me in the sense that then I'm able to bring those those concerns or issues to 
the organisation and say, you know, like this is a concern because not not everybody has the same ability to express um, what it is that they're experiencing. Like there's been issues around um, um, like some of the male um, employees, they're objectifying me and what I find is that that when I sort of bring up some of these concerns, some of the issues that I've experienced, it then empowers other women to be able to say, well, actually that's been my experience also, but they would never have said it, you know, because, you know, if you push a person down far enough, then it's really hard for them to get up and and um, to speak. Some people's experience, like, you know, the trauma, I think we all carry a certain amount of, of trauma. I think that's a commonality between us all. Um, and that's one of the problems with police as well, you know, the trauma of that interaction is actually quite impactful and um, it really silences people as well. And I think a lot of people don't actually realise the the trauma that people carry from um, involvement with police. Yeah, it's really easy to, to just overlook. Overlook these people too, overlook their humanity and dehumanise them. It's so easy and I've seen it out there in the streets as well. But getting back to that experience of the objectification, I mean, we as women experience enough of it um, that when when we're in a place like that and we are vulnerable, we deserve to be treated with respect and that respect certainly wasn't allowed to me at that time. But I brought it up in one of the meetings. Maybe you could just say how how safe is it a place for women in? The I year? think it's getting better um, because those those from my perspective those issues were addressed um, and people have left for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason is for um, people leaving. There's a very high turnover of people within the service in, in terms of um, employment. There's always lots of lots of new faces. Uh, I was talking to some women who used the space and they were saying, I, I can't remember who it was, it might have been staff, it might have been a client, and they were talking about there was some mention of perhaps having two aftercare zones or mm-hmm. separating things, space. yeah, to make it more safe. For women, what do you think about that? I think it's a great idea because, like, I've I've had male clients get in my face um, in, like, Zone 3, which is, like, I guess the aftercare. Um, and, you know, and then you've just got, you know, men being men and, like, taking up all this space in 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 the way that they're using their body, the level of their 
voice, what they're saying. Sometimes um, it's very, very inappropriate. It's highly sexualized, you know, yeah. And, and they're saying things that are, are, to me, are disgusting, you know, like I don't need to hear that and now I'm scarred because of it, you know, and I'm repulsed and disgusted by what you've just said but you don't have the cognitive ability to understand that what you said is so inappropriate to say in front of women. Yeah, so so for women who want to use that space, I think it would be fantastic. And I mean, because because also like all women have experienced some form of sexual harassment. We all have. And then there's that level of harassment, you know, can be greater um, or lesser, you know. So for, for, for somebody that maybe has experienced um, sexual assault and then some guy saying something really you know, um, sexually motivated um, can be really triggering, you know, and I like the word or the use of the word safer. I don't like safe because nothing's safe. We, we can only provide a safer space. Good point. Yeah. Well, life's never There's safe. There's nothing safe. <laughs> nothing is safe. Being human is not a safe activity. No, <laughs> no. How open are you with people outside about your injecting drug use? I mean, obviously, I understand that there's a level of um, shame, um, you know, projected onto um, people who use drugs and myself, um, you know, and um, discrimination and um, dehumanisation. Um, there was a this is a, a while ago, and there was um, there was an Aboriginal couple um, in an argument um, just out the side here. You know, it was it was it, it was you know pretty full on, and they were like yelling at each other, and it was very public. But also, you don't know what you know like where they're coming from. I mean. Are they homeless, you know? Like, there's, there's all these factors going into um, why their argument was so public. But, you know, we as a community were sort of observing it and making sure that she was OK and, you know, that, that it didn't escalate, you know, too much and stuff like that. And um, But there was this woman, she was standing on the footpath and she had her arms crossed and her phone sort of resting um, on her arm and facing out. I, I looked at her and I thought, um, she's filming this interaction, this argument, this private moment of these people making a judgment about who they are and then you know then I start questioning um 
what other factors are motivating her to do that? Is it the colour of their skin so they have less um, rights to privacy that, you know, they matter less um, so it's okay for her to film them? And, and, and I yelled at her, you know, like, don't film these people. And then she was like, turned the camera on me and I just turned my back to her and grabbed my friend and said, you know, get out of here because she's filming. Um, and they also have a Facebook group, like taking photographs of people who are unconscious and stuff like that, which I think is pretty horrific. And I, I find that so remarkable that these people um, think that what they're doing is okay, but people who are injecting drugs, what they're doing is not okay. I just thought that was so disgusting to take these people's humanity away from them. You know, she was doing it so deceitfully. That really got me as well. I don't think that would be the first time that you've seen people treated like that. No. And this is your answer to me asking you whether you're public about your injecting drug use. Mm. Is that you saying that you don't talk about it? Um, I talk about it in in a way that, I mean, I, I have no issues with what I do, I'm I'm totally okay with the fact that I in, in, inject drugs. Um, in terms of my depression, um, it's one of the best medications I've ever had. Um, but at, but at the same time, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to put myself in the firing line of somebody who I know is going to attack me and um, try and tear me down for the lifestyle that I have. I mean, I don't need to do that. Um, there is nothing that I say is ever going to change their mind. That idea of people seeing you or uh, other people who use MSIR mm -hmm. as just that one thing, mm. as a person yes. who injects drugs. and that's it. That's all we are. We have nothing else. We, you know, we, we offer nothing else. We are nothing else. We are just this one thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's very reductionary. Mm. I, I can only imagine that it's good to be in a place where people don't think that way? Well, you can be honest and open without judgment, you know, and it's the same with our families as well. You know, it's it, it's like if, if we lived in a society where we could be honest and open and not just because, I mean, this plays into a lot of things, you know, in, in, in terms of um, um, sexuality, you know, somebody being gay, bi, somebody being trans, some kind of difference and 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 the family response to that or the or the friend group response and 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 that person being rejected it's it, it's you know 
we should be loved for the entirety of who we are. We just use drugs. Is that truly such a big deal? And how does that allow somebody to say, well, I don't want you to be a part of my life because you're a drug user? Because we would be a healthier society. We would be a healthier family unit and closer if people were able to be honest about who they are and what they do and just have an honest discussion about these things. It's that rejection that tears people down and, and alienates them and makes them feel bad about who they are, which then compounds into their drug use and, 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 and them not feeling pride in who they are and they should be able to feel okay like about using drugs and not have all this pressure on them that that somehow we need to be clean. I hate this idea of, you know, we need to be clean and um, um, that there's only one, one option with drug use and that's abstinence. I think that's ridiculous. I think there are many options around drug use and for someone that might be abstinence and I fully support that for that individual but I also support people being able to seek help and support around drug use that that looks at um, how can I manage my drug use better? How can I... I reduce it in this area here and then, you know, maybe whack it out at night and get absolutely smashed and then, you know, go to work the next day. You know, we need to be able to look at therapeutic models that works for the individual and not poison people by putting them on um, suboxone and methadone and, you know, these therapeutic modules that just, they are toxic like methadone is the most toxic poison you can put somebody on, but people think that that's okay. Heroin, bad. Methadone, good. That that ties in with that moral judgment that mm-hmm. person on methadone is trying to get off. Yeah, and 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 this criminalisation is a big thing. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, well, if you're on methadone, then you're trying not to use heroin and you're not doing something that's illegal. And I think that plays a lot of a lot of it, you know, because people don't want to do things that are illegal. I don't care, you know. Like I'm all about bringing down the systems of oppression and, 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 and I know that the government's not working for me. It's really interesting to get your perspective. I'm so glad you talked to me. Thank you because it's, it's very, you know, individual to every person yeah. there, right? Yeah. Um, so it's really good to hear it. Um, do you feel any any kind of community here? Um, there's a certain level of of um, community. Mm. What would it look like to you if you could build more community somehow? Well, I think it's really hard because you're dealing with with um, people that have come from um, so, such a diverse background and. The one thing that we have in common is 
that we do something, we use drugs that are criminalised and our lives are criminalised because of what we do. So we have that in common, but but our backgrounds can be so, so, so diverse, you know, because it's not just, oh, you know, you know everybody's come from a single um, mother family, you know, we all grew up in poverty and and our mothers were drug users or our dads were drug users and, you know, no, you know, we can, we, you know, we could have gone to a private school and had a great family, you know. It's just like trying to so make a homogenous group of like a queer community. Yeah, exactly, saying, oh, well, you're gay. So therefore you must so be you like must this be, other Yeah, you must person. be this and you all must know each other, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because you're all gay. And like, no, we just have this thing, this one thing in common and that's not of a foundation for building an entire community. Um, I would like to see more community, but, you know, you're dealing with, you know, a lot of different factors, you know, because you're dealing with people's mental health, um, you know, homelessness, um, you know, all sorts of things are being brought into that as well. Um... But yeah, it would it would be good, and I think the place itself tries to build that by doing um, um, events and barbecues and things like that to you know bring people together. Hi again, Pudgy here. Thanks to Sammy for sharing some of her stories and experience in this interview. As you'll notice, everyone who comes here to the EMSA has their own opinion on the best way to manage drug use. Something we all want though is to stay well. So if you're injecting drugs, make sure you take good care of yourself. Always use a fresh new needle. It's a good idea to halve your shot if you're in doubt. If you can't get to a supervised injecting room, try not to be alone. Nobody Dies Here is an alongside radio production. Thanks to all the clients and staff of the EMSA for supporting this independent project. Music credits and other acknowledgements are on the website. You can follow or subscribe to the podcast to hear the whole series for free. Thanks so much for listening to Nobody Dies Here. We'll be back with more episodes in a month. Thanks, Pudgy, for hosting. This episode was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people and it was produced on Turrbal Yuggera country. First Nations sovereignty has never been ceded.